Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens. A production of WQPT. PBS for the Quad Cities region. A podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is The Cities, life after Donald Trump. For Republicans, this new year will be very different from the past year. Democrats now control the White House, the House, and the Senate. But in Iowa, it's a very different reality. Republicans still control the governor's mansion, and the party saw increases in the legislature as they continue to control the state house and the state senate. We talked with the newly re-elected Republican Party chairman, Jeff Kaufman. What's your reaction to this past week when it comes to the, tra- the transfer, the change of leadership in the federal government? Sure, I mean, we had a peaceful transfer of power. Um, ultimately, that was going to happen, and, and it did. And, you know, obviously, Jim, I'm disappointed. I, I, I believe that a, another four years of Donald Trump uh, and his policies would, uh, would be better than what I anticipate happening uh, with President Biden. Uh, that was not meant to be. And uh, so I kind of move at the national level. Uh, I'm moving from not just a proactive uh, support role, but now possibly reactive and pushing back role if indeed the uh, the far left of the party is going to take control of the Oval Office. We'll see. Uh, and I stand ready to uh, to uh, advocate for working together. If uh, the old Joe Biden is president and we have some centrist initiatives, and I stand ready to push back very, very solidly if AOC and our new vice president uh, are, are driving the train. It, it, it's been, it's been uh, different because on the one hand at the national level, I'm very disappointed. On the other hand, Jim, at the state level, we've never been stronger. I mean, we made gains when no one thought we would make gains in the Iowa House. We held our own in the Senate. Uh, We've got three out of four of our congressional races, and we delivered solidly the state for uh, the president. So it really is, for for Iowa and from my perspective, it's kind of a tale of, of two elections. Here, we did what we needed to do, and we are at a peak. We're at a crest. On the other hand, uh, we are one state of 50, and at the national level, uh, obviously, we're disappointed. Well, you said in an interview that in Iowa, it never was Donald Trump's Republican Party. It's Kim Reynolds' Republican Party. There would be a lot of people who disagree with you on that. I mean, what is Donald Trump's role among Iowa Republicans moving forward? Sure. Well, and, and I, you know, I need to clarify that. I have always said, and I said this when, uh, when Governor Branstad. Uh, was sitting in Terrace Hill. And I firmly believe that the chair of the party in Iowa is the governor, if obviously the governor is a Republican. So I've said that, I've, I've actually 
prefaced almost every single time that I have in, introduced Kim Reynolds. I will introduce her as a fantastic governor and the leader of our party. That's what I that's what I meant by that. And, and I and I would continue to say that regardless of who is president, uh, as long as our governor is Republican. So I, I firmly believe that the governor of the state is the chair of the state. In terms of, of President Trump's role, I mean, let's face it, Jim, here in this state, President Trump had coattails. No doubt about it. Um, yes, I believe we would have still maintained control of the Iowa House. We had 53. Maybe we would have come in at 56. And I don't know exactly how many, but I'll tell you that, that President Trump's coattails added another two or three members to the Iowa House. I believe that President uh, Trump uh, greatly helped uh, Joni Ernst's margin of victory. I believe that uh, he had a large part in uh, us having three out of the four congressional races. So, you know, what exactly President Trump's role is right now is going to be wholly dependent on our citizens. But make no bones about it, he still has a lot of support here. I'm gauging that on what I'm hearing on the ground. I'm also gauging that on what we're hearing on our phones here. Um, to be honest with you, they have been ringing off the hook since the election. And so I, I don't know exactly uh, what President Trump's plans are, but I can tell you right now that a Republican Party in Iowa better very well remember the policies that he had, that he's put in place, the populist style of conservatism, uh, the pushing back on the swamp, all those things are his legacy here in the uh, party in Iowa. And as the chairman of that party, I wholeheartedly plan on maintaining that. You alluded that you were always expecting a peaceful transfer of power. There's a lot of people that weren't expecting that. You're talking about the legacy of uh, President Trump and his policies, but you're kind of skirting the legacy of the last few days. The, the, the mob action on the U.S. Capitol, the, the, the belief that he had won not only by a little but by a landslide to the very end. That's going to have a huge impact, don't you think, on the uh, former president's legacy as well as whatever influence he has going forward? Yeah, a couple things on that. First of all, uh, don't forget when Harry Truman left off, because he had a lower approval rating than President Trump does right now. And most historians uh, place him, if not in the top 10, in the top 15 of presidents. So the legacy uh, chapters are not going to be written uh, in many cases, even while the president is alive. Uh, I would say that the, the let, let me be crystal clear on the on the violence that occurred. And I want to be consistent and quite frankly, more consistent than my colleague uh, on the, in the Democratic Party. I condemn, with no strings attached, I condemn violence on the left or the right. Quite frankly, I don't really care what the ideological framework is of people that are committing violence. I condemn it across the board. So if, it, if it's more associated with conservative elements, it's wrong, I condemn it. If it's associated with liberal elements, it's wrong and I condemn it. I didn't hear the Democrats having that kind of consistency. Also, what happened in the Capitol was absolutely not indicative of the typical Trump supporter. Uh, the Trump supporters in this state uh, believed in the policies of Donald Trump tackling China, tackling trade disparities, tackling the tax disparities. And what went on in the Capitol is nonsense. And actually, not only do I condemn what went on in the Capitol, I'm ashamed of the people associated with it. And I will say that on the right, 
and I will also say that on the left, and I will challenge my colleagues. Uh, there was there was a, a disruption and damage in Portland, Oregon last night. I didn't. Uh, you, you could have heard crickets, Jim. So at least what I would ask is that all state chair heads would condemn violence regardless of the ideological genesis of that. Well, Mr. Chairman, as you know, I mean, we're seeing people on, on both fringes, the, the far left and the far right, uh, being vocal and in sometimes being, being violent. And, and so much of the governing is in the middle um, and also in compromise with, with Democrats putting forth policies and Republicans trying to change them and vice versa. That's called governing. Have we lost that? I, you know, first of all, Jim, and I mean this sincerely, thank you for that question. You don't know how rare it is to have someone ask me a question that's right down the middle and neutral when it comes to this topic. And I mean that sincerely. I, I know that shouldn't, I shouldn't be excited about a really good journalistic question that you just asked, but thank you for that. Uh, I, I agree with the premise of your question. And I, I hope that I am not, uh, I don't have my head too far in the clouds to be able to answer, no, we have not. And I don't think we need to look any further, Jim, than our Iowa capital. In our Iowa capital, now there's a few differences there. We have to balance the budget there. Um, and and in, in Iowa's a state of 3 million, but you, we actually have the ability for that kind of compromise for that kind of give and take. Even though we have a trifecta right now in the Iowa Capitol, you'll be hard pressed to find a bill that is signed by Governor Reynolds that doesn't have significant input from Democrats. Can we get back to that? Yes, I believe we can. Mr. Chairman, we have our very first female vice president. History was made. You have seen great uh, increases in representation by women in the Iowa legislature. Uh, you take a look at the U.S. Senator, as you pointed out, the first female governor uh, of Iowa was uh, uh, elected. Uh, is this really a major push? I know by Democrats, but by Republicans as well. And you know Maggie Tinsman, the former Republican state senator from the Quad Cities, who was looking for 50-50 representation for women by the year 2020. Didn't quite get that, but progress really does appear to be made in getting more women involved in politics because their stake in, in, in public life is, is so exceptionally important. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I placed in my stump speech, and it's a tremendous amount of pride for me since these ladies are, are close personal friends. You know, the first, the first female governor was Republican. The first female speaker uh, was Republican. The first female auditor was Republican. So Republicans have been, have been placing females in leadership positions in our party uh, for a long time. And, uh, and, 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 and we are proud of that, of breaking glass ceilings. Uh, look, I did not vote for Kamala Harris. Quite frankly, I am quite concerned about where Kamala Harris might lead us. But in terms of Kamala Harris breaking a barrier, listen, I, I, I think it's good anytime we remove a qualification for a good leader to be able to lead. And I think that's what this is all about. I don't think this is a matter, Jim, of, of, of going after females and saying, we want you to lead so Kaufman can brag about it to, to, to WQAD. I think this is a matter of Americans, in this case specifically Iowans, recognizing that it doesn't matter your gender. If you are a good leader, then the people should not hesitate to put you in that position. That's what I think we're seeing, and that's what I think we can take pride in. 
As you know, the 2020 election is now deep in our rearview mirror. It did not kick off well for Iowa when it came to the Iowa caucuses, which was a Democratic caucus. The Republican really, uh, I know that the president had two people running against him, but it was, it was pretty much symbolic that he was going to win. With the problems that we saw with the Democrats uh, back in February, how likely is it that it's going to be the toughest fight for Iowa's Republican and Democratic Party than ever to protect the Iowa caucuses? Uh, it, it could be a very difficult fight. Look, I, I, I don't want to turn this into a, into, a, into a political statement that's partisan, but I mean, the fact remains, Jim, that the easiest path for us remaining first in the nation was Donald Trump being reelected. He was unambiguous. That did not happen. And so now I have to deal with my reality. And my reality is that we have a president in office that has not shown an inclination that he likes Iowa and that he believes things should start here. I hope I am proven dead wrong, and I will be the first person to tell you that on air if I am. But uh, the, the bottom line is we got multiple fights, Jim. Uh, we've got a fight to make sure that we remain a caucus state. We have a fight to, remain, to make sure that we lead off. And the most important fight of all, and this is where we have the comfort of having three other states with us, and that is we have to preserve this carve-out status, this carve-out process that we have with South Carolina, uh, with Nevada and with New Hampshire. Um, if, the, if the Democrats are able to hold this and I am not going to tell them what to do, I'm not even gonna suggest it because I don't wanna jinx it. I'm just going to say I wish them sincerely uh, the best in making sure that they don't allow their far left to push us out of the way. I will tell you, Tom Perez not being the chair is gonna be helpful. And I have hope that their new chair out of South Carolina a carve-out state could possibly help them. I won't kid you. If the Democrats, uh, if the Democrats double down and say yes, we're going to start here in Iowa, they can make any changes they think they need to do with their system. I'm not going to criticize that. And if you remember, Jim, I was out there on the trail talking to reporters right afterwards, standing up and sticking up for my colleagues in in February of 2020. Um, but it will be a it will be difficult if the Democrats do not preserve First Nation. That does not mean I'm gonna rest. Um, I will be honest with you, preserving Iowa's first in the nation status is my arm again. And I said that in Jacksonville. Uh, I've said that to our terrific uh, RNC National Committee woman, uh, Ronna Romney, who has shown, Ronna Romney McDaniel, who has shown a great deal of, uh, of support uh, for that. I've said that to our national co-chair. Uh, everywhere I go, I, I preach that. But the most, the, the best thing that can happen is Democrats and Republicans come to the conclusion we have before, and that is if you really want to look a fifth grader in the eye and really want to tell them the truth that you could be president someday, you must, you must start in a place like Iowa, like New Hampshire, like Nevada and South Carolina, and you cannot start in a place like California or Texas. And I, I picked those two states, so it wasn't a partisan statement. Iowa Republican Party Chairman Jeff Kaufman. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.